If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I just want to, you know, get everyone used to how to operate, how to walk around the building, you know, and then later on there's going to be time to really ramp up uh, the football end of it. That's Doug Burrow talking on a Monday and... Again, they're taking their time with this. I, I got the sense, even listening to Doug Marone today, that it almost feels like OTAs for you know I called it OTAs yeah. the last week or so. It almost feels like that for him, I guess, too. You know, not all dialed in sure. to the training camp just yet. It's really bizarre because of our mental clocks. I I still think, and I would assume it's like that for players and coaches too. Their mental clocks are just off. Because of the way this is, it's a slow ramp up. There were no OTAs. There were no mini camps. The whole calendar is thrown off. It's got to mess with your mind a little bit because we all have body clocks to some degree. Oh, I thought that. Listen, I mean, the last week before training camp, like, listen, you, you had to put the you had to put the basic beverages aside. Obviously, you, you had to put the good times at the bars aside. And you had to focus on to get your body ready for that last week leading up to training camp. And you try to go to bed and get your ten hours of sleep. You don't do that. You get about six hours. It's probably a game you want to watch, something like that. And now the schedule's all out of whack, Brent. It's 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 completely different, and especially for a very young team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who really have no, you know, way to go about it. They just have to do it. It's going to be interesting to see how their bodies, and not only their bodies, but also their minds, respond to this kind of chaos that's about to come their way. Yeah, Jaguars are going to ramp it up a little bit. Brent Martineau, former Jags player, Austin Lane, right here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And welcome into the show, a name you know if you've been listening and watching ESPN for a long time. I know you know him. We're going to call him one of the forefathers, if you will, of yeah. sports radio. Mike Greenberg joins us from ESPN. Excited about the new Mike Greenberg show coming up on August 17th. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Forefathers is an interesting. That's a that's fascinating. Every every day as a as a um, as I talk to more people, I get older and older. So <laughs> that's kind of funny. I was actually looking. At, you know, I feel like we know you. I, uh, you let us know at some point in the conversation when we can call you Greeny, by the way. Uh, but you, you, uh, starting right now, <laughs> the, we do feel like you know you. Yet uh, when you we knew you were coming on, I looked uh, even more information about you, and including uh, a novelist and. That you're still a very young man, by the way. Uh, so you've got a, a lot of time left to still pave your way, but you've done so much in this industry already. How excited are you about getting back on the radio side? I'm very excited about it. And um, I will tell you that the thing that I have missed the most about doing radio is the ability to um, to go more deeply into stuff that I'm most interested in. So what we have found in the TV show in the mornings, which I love and I'm super proud of and I have no intention of stopping, um, but what, what we have found is the audience, what they want us to do in the mornings is to be quick, is to move through a lot of material fast. And I'm, that's been effective, and the audience likes it, and I, I like it, and I'm more than happy to do it. But what I missed in that is the ability to, every now and again, slow down and get much more deeply into a subject or, or several or an interview that I find particularly interesting. And that long-form is, is an opportunity that radio provides that TV almost never does. And so that is the thing that I'm looking forward to getting a chance to do again the most. 
Mike, you know, a little background about me real quick. I played for the Jacksville Jaguars for three years here, and I've done a little bit of the TV, but obviously more on the radio side. And I find, like, the radio, you can kind of be yourself a little more. It's more of that casual kind of environment as opposed to being on TV where all of a sudden my voice gets a little higher because I'm probably a little more nervous, and I just I make a fool of myself, to say the least. I mean, do you kind of feel that way going to the radio show now? You can kind of be yourself a little more. You can kind of be a little more casual, almost like you're kind of like that, you know, you're like in high school right now, and it's like your senior year. Everything's a little more laid back for you. Well, it's been a long time since I was a senior in high school. I can tell you <laughs> that. Uh, I have a hard time remembering how laid back I was. But, no, look, they're very different. Um, the, the, the medium of radio provides an intimacy that is very different from what you have in television. So on television, by and large, you're talking to your viewers. And on the radio, by and large, you're talking with your listeners, and that distinction is a, is a, a pretty significant one, and I think it, it informs um, the approach, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Um, on TV, you find you feel a need for everything to feel kind of perfect and packaged, whereas on the radio, if you stumble over a word or you stumble over a thought or you just flat out get something wrong, you can laugh at it and move on with your day, and, and that's... Um, I think that's sort of what what I how I interpret what you're saying, and I definitely share that part of it. So there's nothing about doing it I'm not looking forward to. I, if I if I wasn't really excited about it, I wouldn't have said yes. Mike, um, I'm this is something I, I feel really excited to come back to doing. Mike Greenberg with us, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here in Jacksonville. The Mike Greenberg Show will start up August 17th, noon to two in Jacksonville and in the area. You can hear it on ESPN 690. You're going solo, man. I know you have a lot of friends over there. You probably could have found a partner. How different will that be uh, versus the first stint, at least on ESPN, with Mike and Mike? Well, obviously, it'll be totally different, and, and nothing will ever be that again. Like like nothing, you know, Mike and Mike was a miracle in my life, and, and so nothing will ever be that again. Um, but I do expect this to be a, a, a lot of fun. And while I'll be the only one who's there every day, there'll be no days when I'm the only one who's there. So I anticipate a little bit of the same feel. If you if you see my show in the mornings on ESPN, you know, I have a variety of people that are just sort of in and out all day. And I, that part of it I like. So on a, on a day where football is our primary subject, you know, I could see we're going to have Dan Olasky and we're going to have Marcus Spears. We're going to have Dominique Foxford. And then we'll get to some basketball, and we'll talk to Jalen, and we'll talk to Jay Will, and we'll talk to Kendrick Perkins, and on and on it'll go. So I think depending on the day, you'll hear a lot of different voices. So it won't ever be me and one other person, but it'll also never be just me. Let's talk a little sports with you uh, because they're happening <laughs> the last week or so or a couple oh, of weeks, uh, which is awesome, by the way. I was swearing at the Yankees last night, which uh, I kind of liked. I enjoyed doing that once again. Uh, the Yankees are good. The Cardinals, but they just announced, I think ESPN just reported, uh, that that series will be postponed. Are we going to make it through this baseball season? Are we going to make it through these seasons that they are starting up, in your opinion? I think there is um, a very good chance they don't make it through the baseball season. Um, I think there's no reasonable way to describe what has happened in baseball other than just an abject failure um, of, of foresight and leadership. I mean, I just don't know how anyone could have looked at the plan as they currently seem to have it and said, oh, yeah, that'll work. Um, let's just let these guys travel around the country and live their lives normally and, and, and assume that the coronavirus will not just completely run rampant 
through the sport. Um, there's just that that was just a, an impossible vision, and it doesn't look to me like in the 113 pages that their protocol seems to be that they expected something like this to happen, and I don't know how in the world they wouldn't. So if they don't have some modified bubble um, vision that they can go to quickly, I don't see how this makes it. Um, and I think if you're the National Football League, I think you have to be looking at something similar. I think you have to be looking at the NFL, or the NFL has to be looking at Major League Baseball and saying, that doesn't work. Now, I don't think the NFL can do what the NBA is doing. You can't put 10,000 people into a bubble for five and a half months. But but I do think that they are going to have to have something far more, um, I'm not sure even what the word is, something far more significant than what we're seeing in baseball if they're going to have any chance. And um, look, I, for both personal and professional reasons, I want these games desperately. Um, but you'd be crazy if you're not concerned about baseball. And I hope that football has enough time to learn from the mistakes that, that others have made. Mike, speaking of you know talking about football here, we talk about college football the Pac-12 could be making a paradigm shift here very soon with players in the Pac-12 willing to opt out of fall camp um, and not participate in games unless, you know, some of their concerns um, and some of their things get answered here. What do you make of the Pac-12 coming out and, you know, the players doing this, number one? Do you see other conferences following suit? And are we going to see a paradigm shift now of student-athletes using their platform, using their voice to try to get a better cause for themselves? Um, yes. I do think that we are seeing the beginning. I think we've been seeing it for a while. I think this is just a logical next step, and, and maybe the, the circumstances both of the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement have hastened what would have happened anyway. Um, the the concept of amateurism has been farcical in in college sports, particularly in football, for a very long time now, and, and it, it requires change. It doesn't require being thrown away completely necessarily, although it, that might not be a bad idea. Um, but it certainly has required far more flexibility and reasonableness than the NCAA has been willing to entertain. <clears throat> so um, I think we could be seeing the beginning of it changing completely. I don't know where it will go because what, what the, um, the powers that be will fight to the end is anything that involves compensation. They'll, I mean, shame on them if they don't if they don't do anything that they can in the area of health and safety, and I think in the area of social justice they will as well. Um, I think that it's the areas that involve compensation, like actual payment, that they will fight tooth and nail as long and as best they can. So I don't know where that will net out. The rest of it, I think, is a given. <clears throat> but the real fights, I think, will come over money. The Mike Greenberg Show starts up two weeks from today on ESPN across the country here in Jacksonville on ESPN 690, noon until 2 p.m., Monday through Friday. Mike Greenberg, and we're now allowed to call him Greedy, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, taking a couple minutes. Uh, we won't keep you for much longer. I wanted to ask you, I told Austin, I said, we got to ask you about the last dance. You lived those Chicago days for a while. What was like going back and seeing that and the way it was portrayed and, and obviously – uh, ESPN had major success uh, with that documentary with Michael Jordan. I think it was 68 million viewers, if, if I, I saw correctly, the last time. What was it like going back and reliving some of that? Well, I loved it. Um, 
I thought they did an absolutely fabulous job, even as one who was around that team every single day for four of those years. Um, I learned things that I'd never seen before and, and, and didn't know before. And I loved it for a variety of reasons, the most important of which are my 17-year-old son, who will look you right in the face and tell you LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time, <laughs> I at least got the chance to see what it is I've been trying to tell him all these years. He, he did not come over to my side, but at least I had some <laughs> ammunition. And then the other side of it is it was really an opportunity for those of us who lived through it. And, I, and as you point out, I was close to it, but all of us old enough to remember it, remember it fondly. It was an opportunity just to relive an extraordinary time in our lives. Like that was just so much fun. And to be around that group and to see them every day, just to have the privilege of watching excellence the way we all got to for those years. Um, it was, it was, it was so much fun to get to relive that and any part of it that you might've forgotten. It felt so real again. Um, I just loved it. I, I'm, I'm thrilled that we did it. And I don't know that there's anything that would be quite like it. I don't, I don't think there's anything in sports that you could put together right now that would have quite the same feel that has the same combination of iconic and recent you know, it, it, you couldn't do that with the 27 Yankees because none of them are still around. Um, and you couldn't do it with LeBron yet because it's just too recent. Um, maybe something with Ali, but there's just so few people that are that are on the level of, of Michael that I, I just think it was a once-in-a-generation once event to be able to go back and relive it. And I, I for one, loved every second of it. Mike, real quick, man, before we... Uh let you go here. So a little bit about me. It's completely off topic. But I want to get your input on this because I respect um, your opinion on this topic right now. So I'm 32 years old, never had a cup of coffee my entire life, but I'm starting to get to the point now where I'm kind of, you know, getting to the point where it's like I'm getting up earlier, earlier in the morning. I need some kind of caffeine. I understand now that you're an iced coffee connoisseur, let's just say. No, no, no. And oh, go, go ahead. Well, I'm hardly a connoisseur. So okay. I have long been opposed to iced coffee as a concept. Okay. And I had never had it in my life. I drink a lot of coffee. I, I love coffee. And I drink a lot of it. Only hot coffee. And up here at where I live in New York, it has been unbelievably hot for about the last two weeks. So uh, a week ago, Sunday, I think it was, I had to run a few errands in the morning, and I was running around the city, and I stopped to get myself coffee. And it was so hot that I just couldn't fathom the idea of having hot coffee as I was running all of these errands, just being outside. It was, it was whatever it was, 103 degrees. I mean, it was hot. And if you, I'm sure, you know, it gets super hot in Florida. Of course. And, and this, you know, but of course it does. But like being in the city, there's something about being in Manhattan and when it's really hot that just feels unimaginably hot. So anyway, I went into the place. It wasn't a Starbucks, but it was a Starbucks-like kind of place. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the menu, and they had all these iced coffee drinks. And I just thought to myself, I'm going to try it. As much as I've always put it down and mocked it and questioned it, and I took one sip, and I said, this is the most delicious thing I've ever had in my entire life. And and, and I and I, I tweeted about it yeah. sort of jokingly, and I couldn't believe the reaction it got. So I haven't had one since, but oh, okay. I will again. I have not had one since. But I will, again, gladly, I am no longer opposed 
two ice cups. Well, and so here's the question for you, though. Obviously, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. It seemed like it was 100 degrees a day. I mean, for my first cup of coffee, would it be out of the realm of possibility to go iced, or do I need to go hot coffee for my first cup? Or is it, does it not I think really you matter? Have, I think you should have hot coffee for your first one just to experience okay. what the majority of the experience is like. But you... You should do it on a day when you're going to be mostly inside. Um, <laughs> um, and, and I will say, uh, I will no longer be the guy who will tell you that iced coffee is not coffee. And I have been that guy for, I don't know, 30 years. And I will stop being that guy now because I have to admit, I really like it. Especially on a 100-degree day in Manhattan. Uh, Mike Greenberg, the Mike Greenberg Show starts up two weeks from today, noon to 2 on ESPN all across the country, right here on ESPN 690. Greeny, thanks for taking some time, man. I know you've been uh, doing a lot of these, but we appreciate it. Well, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. You bet. That's Mike Greenberg. And, uh, of course, from the Mike and Mike days to we didn't even get into a lot of it. I said a novelist. He's written other yeah. books, too, but a couple of novels as well. Hosted game shows. Obviously, Sports Center. Get up in the morning, uh, every morning, which you can see on ESPN. And that's been highly successful. And uh, one of the true talents, really, in our industry covered the Chicago Bulls. That's where it all started back in the day. I'm always interested to go back now and read about these guys and where it all started for them. Uh, and, and a lot of it started for Chicago uh, for Mike Greenberg. By the way, I didn't want to flex or anything, but 100-degree yeah. day. I still haven't had iced coffee. Yeah, you've never tried it either? Uh, I got sip because my, my okay. mom, well, see, up in New England, my mom drinks all the time. But I've, never, I've never actually had a full cup of I any kind either. of coffee. Okay. And, I yeah. get, and I drink hot coffee yeah. in 100 degrees. I'm used to it now. but yeah. uh, So I'm like greedy in terms of... I'll go with the hot coffee sure. and a lot of them per day. Uh, but you well, do get into those. It does make your temperature go up. Like, yeah. when well, I, I usually have one I on my right way now. up here. Check my armpits right now. I'm sweating. Yeah. And, you know, and in the, obviously it's been 95, 98 feel like sometimes over a hundred. Mm-hmm. And no doubt the hot coffee makes you sweat more. Like your temperature does go up. Like, yeah. It makes sense, but it does happen. See, like I'm a big iced tea guy. So maybe, I mean, listen, is there like, you're an iced tea guy. See, I don't drink yeah. iced tea. But I don't, I don't I just iced not non sweetened, you know, because like you say iced tea down here, it's like, well, how much syrup do you want in there, sir? No, yeah. I, I want zero sugar, just the iced tea. Yeah, I love iced tea. But is there like kind of like two kind of subsections though, where like where if you drink the iced coffee, Kiana, people like the coffee people are kind of like, look at this guy over here. I've never been like that. Okay. Uh, and I will say this, like I know my coffee mom, snobs. my mom's a big coffee drinker, yeah, and she she'll drink uh, hot coffee and iced coffee. Okay. And I think my sister does too. Okay. So like. It, it wasn't a separator okay. for me growing up. But yeah. now, I didn't drink coffee until I was about 35, 36. See, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you right and, now. I and now I haven't put it down. Yeah, see, that's what I'm worried about. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to get that, like, that first cup and just take it down. and be like, yeah, I've been missing out for the past 30-something years of my life. This tastes good, and I'm just going to be addicted to it. I don't want that. You know, you know it's a, it, Greedy brought something up there. It's really interesting. And uh, that is that he tweeted that. And what amazes me about Twitter are the things you tweet that you don't really like once in a while you tweet something and be like, well, okay, people might respond to that. You're almost asking them to respond to that. Yeah. Then you just might tweet something out of the blue and all of a sudden it starts going like getting a lot of responses. And now for mm-hmm. me, relative, I'm sure Greeny is like 10,000 times as much as, as my responses he, were. He is verified. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm verified too. <laughs> no, I'm that, just, that, that doesn't get me a lot of responses. He also has, uh, he has like a million followers, Brent. So. so here's, I don't have that. Okay. So yes. yesterday, uh, about 24 hours ago, in fact, mm-hmm. I tweeted Mike Burrish because he had given an update on the storm. Money Mike. And I tweeted that uh, because it had, had shifted east. And obviously the 
The tropical storm. <laughs> Obviously, it shifted east, huh? Yes. Beautiful day today. Uh, the tropical storm shifted east. Yeah. Well, I just tweeted, the more I live here, the more I believe Jacksonville is in the most perfect geographic position when it comes to these storms. Tucked in perfectly. Like, you can tell me that a storm's coming, mm. but it's not going to hit us with direct impact. Yeah, but we took a hit a couple years ago. Not directly, though. Oh, not okay. like North Carolina will take. Not okay. like the southern tip of Florida will take. Uh, you know, other places. So mm. we're just not going to get it that way. It doesn't see. Now, listen, history has shown that. I think everybody brought up Dora was, uh, I think they said it was a category two and or, or got us twice as it kind of came through. Um, I've watched Mike so many times that he, all these other historical <laughs> storms. And listen, we've had a lot. Listen, last five years have been pretty significant, right? Mm. Irma and Matthew. I'm not taking them. That shows you the impact they can do even when they're not slamming you directly. But we are, I tried to tell my kids this. I think we are, if you go due north, we're in Cleveland, Ohio. Due north is Cleveland, Ohio. That You think you're on the coast until you say that. But we are like, people call it the armpit of the of that part of the sure. United States, you know. Yeah. But it's perfectly aligned. Yeah. Like, we're, 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 we're tucked in. We're nestled in there. Like right. one of these days, we're going to get something. Yeah, well, don't say that because now you're going to jinx us, obviously. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we are tucked. And listen, I had no idea when I first got the Jacksonville. Right, everybody, like cause I'm thinking, like, all right, Florida hurricanes, here we go, and everyone's like, don't worry about the hurricanes, we're in Jacksonville, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, but it's Florida, so yeah. like, you know, I'm still gonna be a little worried about it. But then they they kind of all explain, like, they call it Hurricane Alley or something like that, where, oh, like, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, Hurricane Alley, it's all good. But, oh, Hurricane Alley, okay, whatever. And, yeah, they were right. I mean, I remember my second year here in Jacksonville. I forgot what the like the tropical storm, what the hurricane was called, but like it was like my first hurricane scare. Right, it was Faye, I think. It might have been Faye then, because everyone's like, oh, this thing's going to hit, it's going to be crazy. So I was like, you know, all right, batting down the hatches. I'm in my apartment here. You know, mom's all worried. I have family members, friends texting me, dude, first hurricane. Needless to say, nothing happened. You know, I mean, it was kind of like this turned out to be. I probably part for the best, obviously. I'm not saying, well, that sucked. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, I kind of had my hopes up for, you know, at least some kind of wind gusts and things like that. But, uh, yeah, a couple years ago, that one hurricane kind of, no, did absolutely. Damage, it just so. shows you what it could do if it was like a category I, three, I, I cannot you know, imagine. or a four that did hit you. Can't imagine. Uh, I think that's what I take away from it. Like mm-hmm. I say, it's a good thing, uh, but you got to keep a watchful eye on it because you never know if it, if it's the one. But yeah. I said, like, you tweet stuff, and I was like, okay, I just tweeted that. Just everybody kind of knows it if you've lived around here. Mm-hmm. Well, they had like 304 likes to that Dang. tweet. Everybody was talking about the storm. I guess everybody can relate. That would surprise me. That was my tweet of the weekend about weather. Yeah, I need to tweet more about weather. I like that. I like that a lot. A lot of I, responses, too. What, what are people say? I mean, do they, they obviously agree with you? Well, There's yeah, and a lot of folks that live there have been saying, yeah, I say it for years, and, and no doubt, you know, they know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some saying, don't jinx us, like you just said. Yeah. Uh, but Twitter is an interesting place when it comes to that. Yeah. It just depends what people want to talk about yeah. at, a, at a given time. Uh, you know what? What are we going to talk about at a given time? Pac-12, you mentioned it. Let's get it. What are some of the stipulations? Are they real? Can it be accomplished? Do they have a point or are they out of their mind? There are some saying college scholarships, they're d- giving that and shrugging their shoulders once oh, yeah. again. Yeah, college scholarships. Uh, yeah, we'll yeah. talk a little of that uh, NFL as well. And uh, we will get back to the NBA and NHL. NBA, big storyline, Jonathan Isaac, uh, of course, Florida State Seminole, uh, right in the middle of all the discussion over the last few days. And uh, the most recent discussion, not a good one, regarding his health. For the Orlando Magic. So we've got that coming up. Pac-12. Do the kids, the student athletes, have a point? 
or is this overboard? We'll give you some of their stipulations. Could it change the dynamic of college sports moving forward? It's next on ESPN 690. Over the last couple of years, coaches have made it pretty clear to me that you know they support their players. They care about health and safety and name, image, and likeness. Uh, they'd like to see something done on that so that they can focus on what's going on on the field. I think the, the issues related to uh, sharing revenue and things like that I don't know how they feel specifically, haven't discussed that issue, but I would imagine that most coaches are not happy uh, about that issue because ultimately it would mean a reduction in the, the budgets for these universities for athletics, and you start looking at making cuts and changes. Look, one of the biggest areas uh, is salaries, salaries for football coaches and basketball coaches. All right, there was word that a big thing could be happening out west with the Pac-12, and uh, it's happening. <laughs> we Are United is the movement. That was Gilmore right there from ESPN, right there, talking about uh, the Pac-12 movement and opting out. Will players do it? Uh, how's it being received? Will it change the landscape of the NCAA? Are they asking for too much? Do they have a point? Oh, boy, there's a lot of questions to be answered. Let me ask, without burying the lead, because mm. we've talked about the topic before, right? Pay to play and, and likeness and image and all that stuff. Yep. Let's we, just, before I tell you what they're asking for in this document, they wrote on the Players' Tribune and what the players of the Pac-12 and this We Are United uh, uh, movement mm. is asking for. And, and keep this in mind, too. When you ask in a negotiation, you reach for the sky and hope that you get somewhere in between. I mean, there's no doubt that they asked for more than they think they'll get. Without a doubt. That's what happens. I mean, have you ever seen Pawn Stars? Come on. <laughs> of course, what that's what you do. So I think that's like, they didn't say, if we don't get this, we're not playing. Correct. That wasn't the message. Yeah, we'll give, we'll give you a little leeway here. Let's hear a counter offer. Let's go from there. Yeah. But it's very detailed. And so we'll get into it. It's very simplistic, actually, to understand, which for once is nice. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Just put out there, you know, yes. nice bold lettering Absolutely. and everything. Yes. Easy to follow, easy to digest. These things have I been appreciated. This has been a tough 2020 to interpret sometimes. You better believe it, man. But before I get to that, I want to just ask you this. If every athlete across the country had the likeness and image license, Mm -hmm. which could go into effect in Florida as soon as summer of next year. California's working on it, Ohio, other places, and we think it could be across the board sooner than later. Yeah. If it was in place already, would we see this? I still think we would just from the COVID-19 perspective. So more from right? a health standpoint well, I mean, or yeah. all the other stuff? No, it's still from a health standpoint as well because I think a lot of the, the frustration and a lot of the concern comes from, well, listen. If we're truly student-athletes and the student is supposed to come first, well, in California right now, people aren't going back to college on campus, okay? They're, they're going to do it online. So to call somebody a student-athlete where they're not even really officially a student because it's all online, but you expect those athletes to come on campus, you know, in terms of what's going on right now, to me, that's a problem. So to me, it comes from more, obviously, of a health concern, um, you know, and just of, of, of a well-being concern, even more than actually how much money you're making. Now, don't get me wrong. The, the money is a big part of it because I feel like, well, listen, if you want us to kind of risk our health here and if you want us to, to go against what the students are doing and come back on campus, 
you have to make it worth our while because we're generating the money for you. You need us right now. Okay, so here's what they want. Health and safety protections. These are COVID-19 things. Mm -hmm. Allow option not to play during the pandemic without losing athletics of eligibility or spot on our team's roster. Reasonable? Well, it's also a scholarship. Yeah, so you can't use a scholarship um, or a year of eligibility. I think it's reasonable, absolutely. I mean, if, if you have NFL players opting out, why can't college football players opt out? I agree. Yeah. Uh, the, the one difference there, you got to be careful with the professional opt-out. Sure. Is that it doesn't guarantee them a roster spot next year. They could easily be cut. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the one caveat, which is a little bit different. So I think that's what the, you got to be a little careful of the comparison to the professional uh, look at this. But also keep in mind, too, if you're a professional athlete, say you're an NFL player, right, and you tear your ACL, well, next season you can get cut as well. In college, if you tear your ACL, well, then you can redshirt, things like that. But you're, you're pot committed. They're not going to cut you for, you know, they're not going to take away your scholarship for having an injury. True. So True. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So it's not apples to apples in that sense. Correct. Uh, void COVID-19 agreements that waive liability. They, they basically, what they're saying is, when we get to campus, they're going to ask us to sign a liability form that takes them off the hook. Yeah. I wouldn't sign that either, given this. No. I mean, they're asking us to play. In a pandemic, yeah. they're taking the risk. Part of the risk is I play under that, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to assume all the risk. Yeah, that that risk is making you guys money, okay? And all of a sudden, you're going to tell me that I have to sign a waiver saying that if I come down with it or if I get seriously ill from it, you guys can't have my back, but you're still making that money? No, that's not right, so I agree with that as well. Player-approved health and safety standards enforced by a third party selected by players to address COVID-19 as well as serious injury, abuse, and death. Uh Interesting third party selected by players. Uh, that's very specific. Yeah. Um, but the health, is, it's basically kind of like bring somebody else in. Like in this case in the NFL, it's not really somebody else, but Dr. Stills mm-hmm. in the NFL is coordinating with the CDC mm-hmm. and all those stipulations. They want something in place like that that. Obviously, we're getting the best guidance, not selfish guidance, I think. Well, and you know where I stand on this, and I've been very adamant about this. I'm not going to be surprised whether it's in the NFL or college where teams are going to try to, you know, maybe kind of sway the rules a little bit just to get that competitive edge, okay? There's nothing more competitive than a football season, whether it's college or the NFL. And if you're really concerned about your student-athletes like you're supposed to be, and if you're really concerned about NFL players like you're supposed to be, well, look with concussions. There's obviously a third party in the NFL. Why wouldn't you have a third party for COVID-19? as well. All right, so here's where it gets into. That's COVID-19 related. I think a lot of that makes sense. I mean, again, there's a lot of risk involved right now. Either build your bubbles or say you're going to take precautions. The athletes are putting themselves out there mm-hmm. uh, to a degree and it shouldn't be penalized for opting out and not feeling comfortable or having underlying conditions or by the way, it's not unusual for college kids to have newborns or, or anything like that Without so uh, and could be living with family who has autoimmune yep. situations whatever it might be uh mm-hmm. so i i think a lot of those make sense it's very reasonable now it was where it gets interesting protect all sports preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures so all these cuts that we're seeing mm-hmm. larry scott administrators and coaches to voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay mm-hmm. and performance academic bonuses and lavish facility expenditures mm-hmm. and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports they give an example here which will absolutely wow you stanford university 
should reinstate all sports discontinued by tapping into their 27.7, not million, but billion endowment. 27 billion, and they just hey, cut some sports. Could, could you spare a bill? You know, could you just spare a bill so we can still have women's tennis or lacrosse? Could we just get a bill, please? You can spare it. Can you just give us a bill? Well, in, in fairness now, what I don't know is what that money's been earmarked for. You know, people who give that money might be, they might have it on a, in a certain whatever. I don't know how the endowments were, other than that's a, that's a heck of a, savings account all right so they've got plenty of money is the bottom yeah, line yeah. can they make it work and rob peter to pay paul or whatever <laughs> you know yeah. and make the money work it certainly seems like they could at stanford i don't know if that's the case all across the board looks like stanford could make it work for everybody across the country at 27 it, billion dollars in endowment <laughs> i feel like the economy is like you know like i know we're in debt but like just have stanford pay off the debt and we're back to zero again we we're have seen during this time coaches and administrators take voluntary pay cuts yes uh you can argue whether they're it's not enough because coaches are making so much money this really falls to the power five coaches usually Mm -hmm. basketball and football mostly there are some million dollar coaches in other sports but really falls on football seven eight million dollars five six million dollars even at schools you would never guess three four million dollars for a football coach that is And I think it goes to the facilities next. My mind draws to the facilities because this is something that I've kind of soapboxed on a bit before. Mm -hmm. Do we need these standalone football facilities to be better programs? Well, the answer to that has been over the last handful of years, reluctantly, yes, because – when you show recruits and you're bringing them into this mansion, well, they want to live into the mansion instead of the three-bedroom house in the cul-de-sac. Sure. So apples versus apples, yeah, I'd rather be here. But do you need it is a different question. And people have grown accustomed to it. The dollars being spent on these facilities, I think, are astronomical and to some degree asinine. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a great curiosity is do we need all that for football and basketball players, even though they're making money uh, for the schools? And, and there are some valid points on the other side of it, because, again, they're making a lot of the money for it. But keep in mind, these are not facilities that are usually open to other students. Yeah, it's, it's usually just exclusive to football or maybe even basketball at some schools. I don't know if you're going to save enough money with cutting college coaches, although I think they're out of control mm-hmm. uh, in terms of salary, not cutting the coaches, but maybe some staff members, all that stuff. Those are somewhat out of control. I think these facilities and the millions and millions that go into some of these facilities are a little absurd, if I'm being honest. So it's funny. When I read the article about some of the demands, and I specifically remember going over, obviously, the facilities and then the you know the, the coaches' salaries – when I glanced through both of those, I was like, oh, Brent's talked about this. Oh, Brent's talked about this one, too. You know, and I think we get safe to say if we're talking about it, everyone around the country is talking about just how maybe ridiculous, you know, head coaches. I mean, just coaches in general, their salaries are number one. And number two, obviously, is the facilities. So, listen, I love that it's getting brought to light. It begs the question, how do you regulate it, though? Right. Like, how do you come out and say, all right, well, 
you know, you can't spend this much. I mean, like, do you have like a like a cap each year that a football team can spend on, uh, you know, on their furnishings or however they want to go about it? I mean, do you put a cap on it? But then you have boosters as well, right? And that booster money can kind of go, I think, wherever it wants to go. So um, there are interesting questions being brought up. I'm, I'm glad that it's part of the dialogue because it should be talked about. I just don't know if you can necessarily see a change. I hope you do, but I don't know if it's really feasible to see that right now. Yeah, and I don't know where you police it. I, those are different things. I think the first thing is, can you save money? Could you save sports? Could you pay players? Could you give them you know, more in a different way of what they're asking for? Are you saying, hey, we don't have any money, and all of a sudden you're just dropping another $40 million into a football-only facility, yeah. uh, which, by the way, they are doing down the road in Gainesville. I mean, they're do- it's an arms race in the Power Five, and a lot of times it's an arms race in just the upper half of the Power Five conferences as they continue to separate and separate and separate with the dollars look at Alabama the last decade. Again, it's cool from the outside. It's cool from the inside. But when you bring up these kind of questions and you look for money, could it be a cutting point? I've always insisted, well, yeah. I, I just don't think you're be- the best football pro – to establish yourself as the best program, you need to build a football-only facility. And by the way, that is what has happened in college football. If you don't have standalone football facilities and all these other facilities and new locker rooms and all this stuff, you are not amongst the cream of the crop. It goes hand-in-hand hand now because obviously you're luring some of the best recruits. And at 18, 17, 16 years old, material things kind of matter. Sure, I can sit in a, a recliner at my locker and play a video game. Absolutely, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. No, listen, what, what, when you're trying to coax the, the those five-star recruits to come visit you, I mean, it's all about the bells and whistles. Yeah, obviously coaching has something to do with it. And yeah, obviously, you know, the team success and the ability to go play for the pros has something to do with it. And yeah, maybe the academic... Academics, uh, maybe a little bit have something to do with it as well. It should have a I lot think to more do than with it. Ever the academics do have stuff with it. For, People sleep for on that. For the most part, for that's the a, most part, though. I, I get it. I get it. But I do think that's a tie. Listen, the one year and out basketball guys, yeah. academics, they don't matter. Sure. I just think there's an old that that kind of that label to a jock, mm-hmm. even in college, that he's dumb and and they don't do anything. So I don't think that flies anymore. That's well, such an old school thinking deal. Yeah. I think the value of the education does matter. I think parents put a premium on it. I think kids now put a premium on it. And I think most kids, whether they went in for the academics or not, usually leave better because of the academics or go back and get their diplomas and such. No, for sure. And listen, don't get me wrong there. I agree with that, Brent, but let's be honest here. In terms of education, though, say I was a five-star recruit coming out of Wisconsin, right? I can go anywhere I wanted. Well, if I want to be a sports journalism major, I'm not going to go to Syracuse, okay? Like, I'm going to go to a decent school, but I'm not probably going to go to the best school in the country for sports journalism. I want to go to a team that's competitive, can win me a championship as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. But so... It's not taking priority. I get what exactly, you're saying. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I don't I mean, disagree with no, that. No, no, it's still important, but is it the, the, the biggest priority? I guess my, my point is, I just think it's taken more of a priority than people let it be- are led to believe, mm-hmm. than especially 25 years ago. Yeah. I think that's just a little bit of a tired, an old narrative rather than a newer one. Listen, in terms of, you know, like we're talking about those, so... You know, kids loving the bells and whistles. Yeah, I mean that that's the way it is. And you can say it's atrocious. You can say it's bad for the game. But guess what? It works. Okay, kids go where the bells and whistles are. True. So I wonder if you. I mean, when we're talking about here. We're kind of spitballing a little bit. Like, well, how do you change this? You know, like what's the solution? Well, I think about Major League Baseball, and I think about when you spend that big contract on somebody. Well, there's a there's a salary tax to it, right? Like there's a tax that you have to pay. So I wonder, like. 
if you still implement the thing where football teams can spend as much money as they want on their facilities. But depending on how much they spend, a certain amount of tax has to go to the other sports, right? Where if you want to spend $50 million on, you know, whatever, a new locker room, new facility, so be it. But guess what? Maybe $1 million or maybe 500000 has to go to, like, you know, like a softball team or something like that. Where, to me, you can keep on growing, but you have to make sure the other sports are coming with you when you do that. So I think you should tax um, teams if they, if they choose to build up these monstrosities, if you will. Interesting. I'm going to stay. I'm going to skip uh, one section, and I'll get back to it. But yeah. I'm going to stay on the economics since we're on it. Mm-hmm. So economic freedom and equity. Guaranteed medical expense coverage. Medical insurance selected by players for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19, to cover six years after college athletics eligibility ends. Yeah. Interesting one. Medical cost is, is expensive. But if you – I, I get the reasoning here. I Yes, I got a scholarship. I, I get a chance to play. Absolutely, I recognize that. But I also put myself at risk and, and say football, a very violent game, for the profitability of the, the school. Mm-hmm. You know, my services are helping you make money. Correct. What if I get hurt in that setting? Uh, it's, I guess, in a way, workers' comp kind of theory, mm-hmm. right? Uh, do you agree with it? Is it too much six years after the fact? It's a little muddy on the medical front for me. It is muddy. Um, I think six years might be a little too aggressive for my liking. I'm not mad at three or four years, and here's why. I get what people are going to say. You know, well, you got the scholarship, so you know, like we, we need medical expenses. Too. It's always the fallback. The, 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 that's always the go-to. But let me, if, is $80,000 going to cover four years of medical costs? Well, and here's the, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing, Brent, I want to talk about. Right? I mean, it happens in the NFL. Once again, it's professional versus college. But keep in mind, when you graduate from a university, and this has happened to me, they still use your name in recruiting. They still use your name and say, well, guess what? We've had so-and-so come through here. You know, he was, he was a defensive end and like, you can be, you know, we foresee you being that guy too. So they still use your name and likeliness even when you're gone. Yeah. Okay. Even when you're not on campus well, some anymore. Some people do. I don't think Ashland University has used mine much. Cuz, how about you have Flagler? I think they're trying to distance Listen, themselves from me. Ashland University <laughs> wants to get whoever they can get right now. Right? You got Adam Shaheen's getting traded for like seventh round picks and a and a five dollar footwell well, from Subway. They so. should use me. Yeah, I'm saying. I just don't think they are. Okay, but I'm saying that they have the opportunity to use you, right? So, um, once again, though, it begs the question: medical expenses. I mean, this is for all athletes, right? Not just football players. It's every student athlete. You know what? I think if you can meet halfway at three years, I'm not mad at that, man, right? Because athletes put their bodies on the line, and obviously when they're done at the university, they're kind of put out to the cold, if you will. Um, I think it would be in good faith. Obviously, you have the money. You should take care of them for what they've you know, taken care of you with. Uh, this one's easy to escape by name, image, and likeness, rights, and representation. It's something we've talked about. It's happening. It's got to happen. It's actually happening. They yep. threw it in there, but it's actually happening. Yep. When we come back, we'll finish up this topic, and then we'll get to the NBA and Jonathan Isaac. A little bit about the NHL. How did that look over the weekend? uh, And some other things. But got to finish this up because the big one's coming. Revenue for the players. Pay to play. 50%? (laughs) NFL isn't even getting that. 50%? (laughs) <laughs> have, you, have you seen what UFC fighters are making lately? We're it's talking a, like 8%, right? percent big ass. 50%? Is Dang. it too much? Or is it just the starting point? It's a fascinating topic, in my opinion. We'll talk a little mm. bit more about it. Pac-12, we are united. Where will it go? Find out next on ESPN 690. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. 
and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.